Good morning, everyone. If I have not had a chance to meet you, my name is Steve. I'm one of the pastors here. And good reason if I have not met you being that normally I'm in the back because I'm, uh, my area of responsibilities are children's ministries and young families. And so I love to hang out with the kids back there. Anyway, if you are the type of person that has songs that run around and play in your head and you can't stop them, I've got a suggestion. Make sure it is a good song because there are some songs you really don't want to have racing around in your head. And for an example, I think of when my kids were tiny, there's a little song um, that went along with Lamb Chop's Play Along theme song. And some of you are hoping that I'm not going to say this, but I'm going to. It goes like this. This is the song that never ends. Yes, it goes on and on, my friends. And I'm not going to sing the rest of the song. That's definitely a song I would not recommend because it gets stuck in there. And it just goes on and on and on. And that little lamb chop was right. It never ends because how many years ago was that? And here it is, still playing in my head sometimes. And I apologize for those of you who do know the song because now it's too late. It's playing in your head, isn't it? Yes, it is. So my advice, if there's a song that's making the rounds in your head, make sure it's a good song. Fortunately, to this, this morning, today, we're going to have a look at a song which is a great song to have playing around in your head. It'll be a constant reminder of how big, how awesome our God is. So here's a little Bible for your brain. Here's a little wisdom for your heart. I'm going to ask, if you don't mind, would you stand? And we're going to read the lyrics to this song together. And we find it in Psalm 46. Ready? One, two, ready, go. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Thanks so much for reading that with me. Please be seated. So Psalm 46 is a song. It's divided into three sections. And here's a little takeaway from each of the sections. First section, I will not fear. The second section, I will not be moved. 
The third section, I will not strive. First, a few thoughts about the title, Finding God in the Fray. That's what I entitled a little message this morning. And fray, it's a really good word, not a word that we use a lot. Fray is a word that describes America today, the, the land we love. And it's also a good word to describe what's going on in Psalm 46. That's what it means. A noisy quarrel, a brawl. Turn on the news every night, and that's what it looks like to me. It's like, uh, I think the fray is our new normal. So we're going to use this word a lot probably because if it's the new normal, we should get used to it. It's also a verb, of course. The verb fray, I think it's descriptive and helpful. It means to be worn, become worn, to become ragged, to unravel. And the, the British have a, have a unique usage. To wear away into tatters. I like that. To wear away into loose threads. And I guess our question is, have, have you felt like that? If you feel like the whole thing is starting to fray at the edges, that it's all just starting to unravel. If you do, this song is for you. Psalm 46. Let me start by saying that we think in our mind that there are certain things that we feel um, that we can count on. Coffee. Coffee comes to mind. The loyalty of dogs comes to mind. Coffee is our morning friend for some of us. It's our little happy place amidst the rain, the cold, and the gloom. And uh, I can only, well, the loyalty of dogs in theory anyways. They give you a cheerful greeting when you walk in the door after a long day. And a wagging tail. Isn't that nice? A morning friend. A cheerful greeting. We can count on these things, right? Right? Well, for coffee, and I, some, and I actually know this personally by experience, sometimes you end up buying decaf by mistake. And FYI, this will make a difference whether Evan comes to your house or not. And as far as the loyalty of man's best friend, all I can do is relate to Mar our little Jack Russell terrier named Pepper. For Pepper, if the choice is between loyalty or rotisserie chicken, <laughs> loyalty goes right out the window. So Psalm 46 is a reminder to us of what we can count on. And it's a really short list. We can count on God. Psalm 46 is a reminder that we can count on God. Oh, there's other things that we think we can count on, but I'm here to tell you they're iffy. They are iffy at best. No matter how reliable something seems, how big or permanent it seems, it's iffy. God is not that way. God is permanent. God is reliable. Everything else is iffy. Psalm 46 is going to help us see that all we really can rely on, all we really can count on, is God. Three sections to Psalm 46. The first, song, the first section I'm calling, I will not fear. I will not fear. And this is how the psalm begins. God is our refuge. 
God, think of it as this. God is our unchanging shelter. God is our one true security. God alone. Not God plus something. Not God plus anything. God alone. So a refuge is super helpful. But first, obviously, you have to enter the refuge, right? You have to enter a refuge. So there I was, a poor seminary student in Texas, married to a poor seminary student's wife. And the little car that I brought into our marriage died. The little car that Rosie brought into our marriage, actually what happened was it was totaled because of an engine fire in the parking lot of the seminary housing. And so both our cars were towed away. We decided to throw caution to the wind and we bought a car. We brought a new car. It ended up we bought a little Honda Civic, a little blue one. We called him Little Boy Blue. Yes. So, and around the time when our car was still brand new was when I heard that the weather forecast said that there's um, golf ball size hail uh, headed right for our location. And you understand, don't you, that everything is big in Texas. Yeah. And so the little sleet and hail we get here about the size of half a sprinkle on one of Deb's donuts in the back. That's nothing. I've got a picture here of some Texas-sized hail. Check it out. That's what I'm talking about. And here's what could happen to your brand new car if you live in Texas. Yeah. And so, and I was um, snooping around looking for these pictures, and I found out about a guy who, is an in, who made an invention. He lives in San Antonio, Texas. He calls this the hail protector. And a little description of it says, it was bouncy castle inspired. I love that. And so here the, uh, the storm track is headed in my direction with the golf ball size hail. And what I, I didn't have a garage, it was just seminary student housing parking lot. What I needed was a bouncy castle hail protector inflatable. But I didn't have one of those either. And so in the middle of the night when the storm began, I got in Little Boy Blue and drove to a, uh, the overhang of a bank building. And so I um, sat out the storm in the refuge, in the refuge of the bank building drive-up window. <laughs> Result, no hail damage. Result, I was a happy car owner. Because, why? Because I decided to go to the refuge. Just the, the first word of the psalm already, I'm thinking, oh, I've got to go to the refuge. Sometimes I don't remember to do that. I've got to decide to go to the refuge. That's what it says also in Proverbs 18, chapter, well, chapter 18, verse 10. It says, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. God is our refuge. The uh, Psalm goes on, God is our refuge and strength. And so here we have to go to God. We have to run to God uh, for our refuge. But don't think of it as running like a long race to get there. God is close. How close is he? God is so close that he gives us strength from, from within. Put your faith in Jesus means that God will make his home in your heart. The power of God and the person of the Holy Spirit 
indwells you. God is our refuge. God is our strength. And so really think of it. You've got some power in your corner. But if you don't turn to him, if you don't draw on the power of God in you, we might as well be miles away. The psalmist says that there's one more thing that we can count on about God. He is our very present help in trouble. I got to do some reading up on Psalm 46, which was really fun. One of the books I picked up was by Pastor uh, Chuck Swindoll, Pastor Author Chuck Swindoll. And he was talking about, he was writing about this word trouble. God's our ever-present help in trouble. He goes, it's like a narrow, cramped spot. He says, think of it as between a rock and a hard place. I thought that was helpful because you and I get in narrow, cramped spots on a regular basis. And so think of it that God is our ever-present help for the times that we find ourselves between rocks and all those hard places. God is my refuge. God is my strength. God is my 24-7 help for narrow, cramped spots. I think that is awesome. Therefore, I will not fear, the psalmist says. Therefore, we will not fear. Oh, and you guys read the psalm with me so that you know what's coming. The wheels are about to come off the wagon. So the psalmist here uses some hyperbole, but um, I don't know. Is it closer to hyperbole or closer to reality? <laughs> you, you guys might have to decide. This is what it says. Though the earth should change, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake. I guess this hits close to home because sometimes we put this false hope in what we'd call our own mountains. We come up with our own mountains, the own things, the things that we choose to rely on that we think are always going to be there. They don't always stick around. But we don't think of mountains falling into the sea. We don't think of mountains going anywhere. But the psalmist, perhaps, is helping us understand that there may come a day when that uh, a disaster in theory becomes disaster in reality. We don't look forward to those days. Maybe uh, it's a literal earthquake. They say the big one might happen. But maybe it's just a metaphorical one that sends, it's more like our sen it sends our world um, kind of collapsing around us. And um, that can happen. It has happened for some of you. And maybe it's around the corner for somebody else, I don't know. But the psalmist says what, we t what we're to do about it. It says not to fear. Oh, great. I don't have to fear. Well, that sounds really easy, but think about it. We don't have to fear why. We don't have to fear because of who God is. And so it's not dependent on us. It's dependent on who God is. We want to freak out if everything's crumbling around us. We feel like, oh, I'll feel better if I freak out about this. It'll just make me feel better. But we don't, it's not necessary for us to freak out. The psalmist is reminding us that we, we can go in without fear because of who God is. And that's not dependent on the circumstances or how much, um, how much faith we have. It's dependent on how awesome God is. And God is the one who is the refuge 
So there's this decision we need to face. Um, it's a choice that we need to make. Do I go to the refuge? That's our choice. So this first section of the psalm, we're saying, yes, we're in the fray, but I don't have to fear. Why? It's all because of who God is, how awesome a refuge God is. In the middle verses of the song, the middle section, I'm calling it, I will not be moved. Thank you very much. This section is talking about the city of God, Jerusalem. And commentators and all-around smart people surmise that this section of Psalm 46 is talking about Jerusalem under attack. Jerusalem is under attack, but it will not be moved. The nations will totter, same word there, totter, moved. The nations are going to totter, but Jerusalem will not totter. Jerusalem will not be moved. Why? Because it explains God is in the midst of her. And here's the point. If God is in the midst of Jerusalem, Jerusalem will not be moved. If God is in the midst of you and me, we don't have to move either. What do I mean? I think of it as not easily swayed. I made up a phrase yesterday. It's heart sway. Have you ever had heart sway? It's like, you know, I, I get it. There's a person who's in Jerusalem and Jerusalem is under attack and they know God is here, but I know God's here, but I still am freaking out about it. It's heart sway. You can use that term if you'd like, if it's helpful. So I know that God is here. And so faith is seeing, faith is believing that who God is makes a difference in my situation. There's more. It says the city of God is to be glad. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Jerusalem doesn't happen to have a river. And so we're thinking, hmm, no river. Well, let's read on. It says, we find um, it's not a river of water, but it's very much a river flowing with something else. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. God is in the midst of her. God is in the midst of her. Can, can God make a difference for an easily swayed heart? Think of it this way. God is the ever-flowing, life-giving river in you. God's the river in Jerusalem. It doesn't have a river, but God is there. God is this river of peace. God is this river of grace. God is this river of mercy. It doesn't matter what goes on outside of the city in that sense if God is inside the city. So we would believe that God is here. We would believe that God is here, here in this place, here in my life. That gives a believer a river of joy from the inside. And Jesus talked about that. He called it living water. And in John chapter 4, verse 10, verse 14, Jesus described a well of water springing up to eternal life, this living water, this life-giving, life-changing uh, presence of God. 
the psalmist calls it the, the river that uh, makes glad the city of God. So it doesn't really matter what goes on out there, outside the city, outside of your life, if God is here. So we have a new theme, a little aside here. We have a new theme in kids' life this year. It's an outdoor theme. It's a Northwest theme. It's a camp theme. And we have a lot of fun back there. We've said, okay, we're going to follow the biomes from the lower elevations, follow them up to the higher elevations. So we start out with the meadow cabin for our little zero to 18 months old, month olds. And uh, we, the theme animal is the skunk. I'll let you think about that for a little bit. Anyway, from the meadow we go up and we have Beaver Creek and then we have uh, uh, the woodlands. I call them our little woodland creatures. We have the forest cabin, we have the timberline cabin, and the peak is the summit cabin. They've reached the top when they get to the summit cabin. And um, th the idea there is it's uh, outdoors, it's a lot of fun, Coming along with that, oh, I should have an aside, by the way. My perspective on uh, Kids Life uh, Ministries is this. Who wouldn't want to volunteer in Kids Life? That was just an aside. So if you would like to volunteer for Kids Life, you and I need to talk. I'd love it. Anyway, we do have fun back there, but the idea of that outdoor theme also comes with it, the uh, uh, this journey that we're on, this adventure that we're on. We teach the kids that um, we are uh, following the Jesus road. Hopefully I have a, a picture of our logo here for our 1045 class. We call it base camp. And when uh, we're in base camp, we say, okay, kids, we are, we're in base camp. We're uh, starting the adventure of following this Jesus road. We're getting ready for the adventure of following the Jesus road. The idea there is we follow Jesus along the Jesus road of faith up the mountain. And of course, an adventure, a journey like that requires courage. That's why we have our theme verse is Joshua 1.9. And if you are a parent and you check in your kids, uh, there's a big old banner, I can see it from here. And it's the words of Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so we want the kids of kids' life to understand in their heads and in their hearts that we can live courageous lives. These kids of yours, we want them to grow up to be kids of courage. Why? Because God is with them wherever they go. It is the exact same thing that um, Psalm 46 is saying. Um, God said to Joshua for the Joshua 1.9, God wanted Joshua to know, hey, you know what? It's going to be a crazy ride crossing over the Jordan River. And we had a great series on the book of Joshua uh, recently. It's a crazy ride crossing over the journey, move, crossing over the Jordan River, moving into the promised land. And so Joshua, you need to know and, and uh, remember one thing, God is with you so you can be strong and courageous because God is with you. As I said, it's the exact same thing in Psalm 46. God is in her midst so you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be moved. How do you handle this heart sway situation 
Well, you remember the bank building refuge. You have to go to that building, right? You have to go to God. But if it's, okay, my goal is to avoid this heart sway. What I want is that uh, peace that surpasses understanding in my heart and in my mind. That's what I want. Well, you go to Philippians 4, 6 and 7, and the instruction there is to what? Pray about everything. Pray about everything. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see that prayer? What is it? It's like going to the refuge. It's like going to God. You're praying. You're talking to God. You're going to God via prayer. So we believe that God is here. And right here in the fray. And in the fray, we believe that we don't have to fear. We don't have to be moved. In the middle of this fray, this new normal, we don't have, have this, what I call, the heart sway. The third section of the psalm, I've called, I will not strive. I'm going to take a look at that. It's the aftermath. Maybe it's this battle of Jerusalem that was going on. Jerusalem was in, those, uh, in the middle sections. The, the folks say, hey, it's actually Jerusalem. It's under attack, etc." Well, this, maybe this last section, it's the aftermath of that attack. Um, but most folks say that the psalm, this part of the psalm is uh, prophetic, that it's looking ahead. It invites us to look to the future of this warring world that we call home. It's a unique perspective. Remember author Stephen Covey? He wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which we all ought to read, I'm sure. Uh, One of his seven habits is to begin with the end in mind, which is great for parenting. It's good for starting a business, but it's also the perspective that he's uh, ending his psalm with. And it's unique. We don't think this way very much. But um, so it's this warring world. And uh, Jesus said there'd be wars, rumors of wars. He's right. But there comes a day when those wars will be over. And that's the unique perspective. What could we learn if we project ahead to that day? We're invited to come and check that out. Come. Behold, what has happened? The desolations have been wrought by God. The wars have been stopped by God. The bows have been broken by God. The spears snapped in two by God. The chairs have been burned by God. So the perspective is it's this aftermath, and God wins. So we consider that unique perspective, what God has accomplished, It's a little bit like learning what happens before it happens. It's like reading the after-action report before the action. Think how wise we could be if we understood what would happen before it happens. Of course, that's why God gives us his word, the Bible. The point is, we can grow wise today by understanding what God will do tomorrow. We can grow wise today by understanding what God will do tomorrow. Come and behold is the invitation of the psalmist here. Come and behold. Okay, say you've come and say you've beheld. How should that make a difference? How should that unique perspective impact me today because I'm not there. I'm still here. And um, well, God gives us some direction in verse 10 of how to answer that kind of a 
question. He says, cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I did get to read a few things about Psalm 46. One of them was a fellow by the name of Kinder. He wrote a commentary for InterVarsity Press, and this is his take on it. He says, it's um, this cease striving. It's God's rebuke for a turbulent world. He suggested that it's a lot like um, when Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. He was in the boat in the storm with the disciples, and he rebuked the wind and the waves. The idea Kinder is suggesting, this author, he goes, the idea is stop. Stop. Okay, so we can do this little project ahead to that time in the future and know, okay, God wins. I know that God wins. But we are still here. We tend to be make it happen people. We tend to be, I've got to strive because it is on my to-do list and I've got to check off the box on my to-do list and so I've got to get it all done. That's more how we operate. And so when, when the psalmist says, when God is saying, I want you to cease your striving, that's hard for us to hear. Matter of fact, we get so horizontal in our orientation. It's like this horizontal frenzy. It's a, it's a frenzy going on. We, we forget all about this vertical lifeline that God offers us in Jesus. It's a vertical lifeline, but we tend to get sucked in by this horizontal, uh, horizontal frenzy. So there's a time where we need to say, I want to or- reorient, realign. It's like when you get your tires realigned, you get way better mileage. You get way better tread, you know, um, and the whole, the whole car works better if you just get this realignment going on. We are to realign our heart, our head, and understand this uh, faith mode is to say yes to this vertical lifeline that is Jesus. So, remember my bank building refuge. We have to choose to go to God, Okay. We are tempted, though, to get out our weather app. And we're going to track this hailstorm storm to see how fast it's coming, how big is it, what is the tracking, is it going to come by me or not. And um, it, it can give us information, but it, all, it can also get us more stressed out. Um, and we would forget the first step. What's the first step? The first step, Jesus said, is seek first the kingdom of God. That's step number one. And you see how, again, it's, it's choosing, it's making the, the choice, it's deciding to go to the refuge. Seek first. That's square one. That's step one. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added unto you. Jesus said, God knows that you need them. God knows what we need. And so our first step is not to strive for those things. Our first step is to seek God's kingdom first, to go to the refuge. So we're living in this fray. It's our new normal. Sometimes we feel like we're holding on to loose threads. We're in between a lot of rocks and hard places. 
We're trying to follow this Jesus road, but we're in the fray and we get this we get sucked into this horizontal horizontal mindset. We forget about this vertical um, lifeline opportunity that is Jesus. We we our default mode is more strive. We're more in strive mode. We forget that God calls us to be men and women of faith. God wants us to be in faith mode instead. God is with us, though, so we don't have to be terrified. God, who is exalted in all the earth, is with us. We don't have to be discouraged. So we've said that even though we're in the fray, we don't have to fear. We don't have to be moved. We don't have to to have that heart's way, and we don't have to strive. The songwriter, the psalmist's conclusion, he repeats twice, once in verse 7, once in verse 11, says the same thing. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. The Lord of hosts, I like to think of it as the God of angel armies. He's with us. Can you picture what that might be? Reminds me of the story of Elisha and his attendant. And the situation there is the king of Israel has an enemy, the king of Aram. And so the king of Aram makes a plan. Well, God knows his plan. God tells him, God tells his plan to Elisha. Elisha, the prophet, tells it to the king of Israel. And so the king of Israel sets up his defenses based on what the king of Aram is going to do. And the king of Aram is driving crazy with this idea because every move he makes the king of Israel already knows what he's going to do. And so he comes up with a new strategy. His new strategy is get the prophet. I'm going to get that prophet Elijah if it's the last thing I do. And so we pick it up in Second Kings chapter 6. This is what it says. Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. His servant said to him, the servant says to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And so he, Elisha, answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, and this is a good prayer for you and for me as well. O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opens the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain that was surrounding the city, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So the, the Lord of angel armies is with us. Awesome. We need to have our eyes open to that. Of course, we can't see it because we can't see God. But we know that he's real. We know that he's there. If we, we can remember that, uh, it'll change how we, um, how we strive or not strive. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. And that ends the psalm right there. You remember who Jacob is? Jacob, the twin brother of Esau. Uh, the name Jacob means supplanter. Oh, great. Neat. That's really great. What does supplanter mean? And the way I think of supplanter is the kid who runs to the front of the line to get his water from the drinking fountain first. Line cutter. Jacob, supplanter. Line cutter, that's what his name means. Esau's twin brother, minding his own business. A little insight into a little tidbit of biblical history here. Esau, minding his own business. He's about to be born. And his twin brother 
He's in second place, and the Bible says that he's got a hold of uh, his brother's foot. So Jacob is holding on to Esau's ankle. Why? Because Jacob wants to be born first, we assume. Anyway, that's the idea. That started a rather complicated relationship between those two twin brothers that lasted a long time. So from before Jacob was born, he was Jacob line cutter. Other words work well for him if you know Jacob's life story. He was wily. He was a trickster. He was a scoundrel and a con man. And this is the guy who, by the way, commute uh, in your commute to work, he's the guy that cuts you off. And so it says that the God of Jacob is our stronghold. And I want to ask, is that a good thing? Here's how I like to think of it. God loved Jacob through all his misguided efforts. God loves me through all my misguided efforts too. I love it that our stronghold is the God of Jacob. God welcomes us who are convinced that the best way is to strive. It ain't the best way, but God loves us still. God welcomes us who think that our best shot at it is to be clever. God's going to set aside our cleverness. There's no amount of cleverness that's going to impress God, but he loves us still. By the way, Jacob in all his cleverness, God did bring him to a point of humility. And um, God sees us. He sees all our flaws perfectly well. He loves us still. God sees what we could become if we cease our striving and exalt him in our lives. God opens a way for us in Jesus, our vertical lifeline, so that we can run to him, run to God who is our refuge. So we need to cease our striving to know that the God of angel armies is here in this place, that he is God. Think that's a good song lyrics to have stuck in your head this week? So we are in this fray. It's our new normal, but we will not fear. We will not be moved. We don't have to let our heart sway. We live in this fray and we will not strive. Why? Because of who God is. Maybe we can just ask God right now um, to help us live not in strive mode. Ask God to help us live in faith mode this week because he's the one thing, the only thing that we can count on. Let's pray together. God, thanks so much. You're a great and awesome God. And we need to say to you that it's way too often that we get in our horizontal strive mode you want us to, you invite us to be in a vertical lifeline faith mode. God, you are a refuge and you will never change. You will never move. We can count on you. But in this world, we only see what we can see. What we need is, is a faith sense, a God is here sense that we would correct ourselves, that our default would be to believe in what is unseen, to believe that you are the God of angel armies. God, we love you and 
pray that this week we encourage we can encourage each other to say, hey, let's go in faith mode. We'll do it together. In Jesus' name, amen.